0: Bokertov, Good morning. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am glad to be with you this morning, and I hope that you are glad to be with me as we have the opportunity to dive into a uh, another Aliyah episode as we are studying Parsha uh, Nitzavim. So uh, glad you're here, Baruch Hashem. Um we are on page 1087 of the art scroll Chumash working uh, through our week here the second no excuse me the third day of the week this is the third aliyah the third day of the week drawing ever so closer to uh, Rosh Hashanah a very exciting time and so uh, looking forward to that we'll be posting some things today most likely about Rosh Hashanah some reminders about The halakha of candle lighting and some other things. So just be looking for that on our Facebook pages uh, primarily. So uh, if you are new to the channel, please subscribe. Click the little subscribe button. Be sure and click the bell icon so that you can stay up to date on all the content that is forthcoming and comes out and that will be a blessing to your life. Uh, The third Aliyah today is... In chapter 29, it begins in verse 15, and there's a lot to share. There's many insights we have, not just from this particular reading, but also left over from yesterday, because, um, well, we just always have a lot of content. There's always something to say, and something relative, and something important. So uh, be sure to subscribe, be sure to click the bell button, be sure and and like the video, that's extremely helpful, and share it with all your friends, neighbors, colleagues, strangers on the street. And that'll be great. All right, so chapter 29, verse, uh, verse 15. That's right, Daniel. We are almost to 1,000, just 169 subscribers left. And we will get to 1,000 subscribers. Wouldn't that be amazing? Maybe we can do that this week. Maybe we can hit 1,000 this week. And, by the way, don't forget to subscribe to the Sarshalom Synagogue YouTube channel if you have not done that. That would be a blessing because we're only 70-something away from a 1,000 over there as well. So, verse 15. So it says, For you know how we dwelled in the land of Mitzrayim and how we passed through the midst of the nations through whom you passed. And you saw their abominations, their detestable idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold that were with them. Perhaps there is among you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart turns away today from being with Hashem our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Perhaps there there is among you a root flourishing with gall and wormwood. Let me just pause there and say that uh, we have to be concerned about the enemy within. I would say... And we're going to, and most likely we'll come, there's another insight to Rabbi Monk's commentary, maybe we'll get to a little bit later, but we have to be concerned with the enemy within, the enemy within our community. Many times we are guarded against the enemy from without, those people that are outside the Torah community. Generally, if you're inside the Torah community, if you're inside Lapid Judaism, somebody who's espousing uh, you know, non Jewish practice, non-Tor observance, they're they're not gonna have much effect on on us, thank God. But but we have to be careful about the the enemy within, the enemy within that tries to lead us astray within the community, people that are whispering in our ears and trying to get us uh to um you know, do whatever to, to get into a, a, a idolatrous practice or get away from Hashem, um, or lure us away from the community or what have you. But we also have to be worried about and concerned about the enemy within ourselves and recognize that each and every one of us, unfortunately, is capable of becoming an idolater. I think that we all have to recognize that every one of us are capable of falling, and the Bible warns us, the Tanakh warns us, that the moment that we think that we cannot fall is the moment at which we will fall, and so we have to constantly, this is why Teshuvah is so important on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, and certainly now, during the 40 days, that we constantly review our own actions. I also want to say something as well, and uh, it's important for all of you who are listening, live and then others who will be listening later, um, you you need to really prepare yourself emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and you need to do that prayerfully as we enter into the high holy days and as we enter into any Yom Tov. And I'll also say, as we enter into every Shabbat, but especially on the Yom Tovim, because my experience, I have a Few de- a couple of decades, a little more than a couple of decades now, of experience with this as a leader in a community. That that the the evil inclination, uh, the dark forces, uh, the enemy, Hasatan curse be he, whatever you want to call it, has a tendency to attack people during this time. When I by attack, I mean a whole gamut of things. But one of the ways is, is try to get us agitated. You know, the uh, the sages have talked about this. They say that that on Friday, Hasatan he attempts to agitate families, agitate ladies, agitate men to get them uh, to enter the Shabbat in a frustrated, agitated, angry state, God forbid, with a makhloket, with argument, and you come to the... Uh, Uh, to light the candles and you're frustrated and you're just huffing and puffing because there was so much stress in the atmosphere. So the sages talked about how the enemy constantly does that because he knows that there's so much power in the Shabbat, there's so much power in the Yom Tov that he doesn't want us to be able to access it. And you cannot access it if you have a lack of joy or if you're full of anger. So it's a reminder to all of us, to each and every one of us to be especially guarded on Fridays, not to get frustrated, not to get, and and listen, you know, uh, I know some of you don't know how to relate to this because every Friday uh, the birds bring you the clothing that you're going to wear and little beautiful, uh, pretty animals like bunny rabbits come and and they they bring all of your food and you float down to your kitchens on a cloud and uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. And, and for those of you that, <laughs> that have that blessing, Baruch Hashem. But for uh, the mere mortals among us, um, we have to be especially guarded on Fridays. But this also goes for Yom Tov and especially now. So I just want to throw that out there, that we have to really be pray- prayerful. This is um, a, a time to be peaceful, a time not to be agitated. If something is agitated you, this is a time to take a step back and count to ten or whatever you do, uh, to collect yourself, to be gentle in your speaking, and so on, and not, not to allow yourself to get angry, uh, but to really be on your guard, because I've seen over the years, many, many times, people kind of lose their proverbial mind during a Yamtov, and uh, it just seems to be a phenomenon, so we encourage people to be prayerful. Verse 19. Aldonai will not be willing to... Oh, I'm sorry, verse 18. I I didn't read verse 18. Verse 18 says, and this is is an important verse. Thank God I remembered it. It says, And it will be that when he hears the words of this imprecation, he will bless himself in his heart. Now, notice it says, Bless himself in his heart. How many times have we said or heard people say, God knows my heart. Okay, I I know that I'm doing wrong. I know that I'm doing precisely what the Torah says not to do. But God knows my heart. My friends, that is blessing himself in his heart. Bless your heart, as we say here in, in Texas and the rest of the South. We are blessing ourselves in our heart when we say such things. Now, this is the, if you're reading along with me, you see what's coming. It's like this big train and the light at the end of the tunnel Sometimes it's a train. It says, peace will be with me, though I walk as my heart sees fit. Ugh, yikes. That's blessing ourselves in the our heart. In other words, I know I'm doing the exact opposite of what God wants me to do. It's clear. It's, it's black and white. I'm reading. I'm reading it on the page right now. I'm reading it. But God knows my heart. I'm blessing myself in my heart, and I'm saying to myself, Peace will be with me, though I walk as my heart sees fit. And it says, thereby adding the watered upon the thirsty. So it says in verse 19 Hashem will not be willing to forgive him, for then Hashem's anger and jealousy will smote against that man, and the entire imprecation written in this book will come down upon him, and Hashem will erase his name from under the heaven. Hashem will set him aside for evil. From among the nations of Israel, like the imprecations of the covenant that is written in the book of the Torah, the later generations will say, "Your children, who will arise after you, and the foreigner who will come from a distant land, when they see the plagues of that land and its illness, which Hashem has afflicted it—sulfur and salt—a conflagration of the entire land. It cannot be sown; it cannot sprout, and no grass shall rise upon it, like the upheaval of Sodom and Gomorrah." Adam, Adam, uh, Adma. And Zebulun, which uh, Adonai overturned in his anger and wrath. Verse 23, and all the nations will say, for what reason did Adonai do this to this land? And why is this wrathfulness of, of great anger? And they will say, because they forsook the covenant of Adonai. Now, this is very important, right? Because forsaking the covenant of Adonai is at the very heart of, of many people's theology today, and yet the Bible says the exact opposite. You know, it is remarkable how we believe things and teach things that the Bible says the precise opposite about. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, of course... Disobeying Torah. Like, you know, forget about the food laws, forget about the holidays, forget about all that stuff. That was the old covenant. That was back in the olden days. And we have something new. Whereas the Bible says, do not forsake the covenant. In fact, it's saying here, the reason that there's desolation is because we forsook the covenant of Adonai. I, 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 it's just remarkable. It, it's remarkable to me that we delude ourselves. In such ways. And God should help us to get clarity. That's what Lapid Judaism is all about. With God's help. Bringing clarity to people. But it's just... I, I think we just have to really... This is the time to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, What What are you thinking? All of us. on uh, For various things. But anyway, I digress. It says, And they will say, Because they forsook the covenant of Adonai, The God of their forefathers that he sealed with them When he took them out of the land of Egypt... And they went and served the gods of others and prostrated themselves to them, gods that they knew not, and he did not apportion to them. So God's anger flared against that land to bring upon it the entire curse that is written in this book. And Adonai removed them from upon their soil with anger, with wrath, and with great fury, and he cast them to another land as this very day. The hidden sins are for Adonai, our God, but the revealed sins are for us and our children forever to carry out all the words of this Torah. Some people's theology says, well, you know, the way to get away from the curses is to remove the law. You know, it's kind of like we said yesterday, right? We're talking about children. We use the analogy of doing chores, right? So, uh, as I said yesterday, you give your child a chore, and if they do the chores. You get an allowance. The children gets an the child gets an allowance. Let's say if that if that happens to be your rule. Um, well, it Wasn't a rule in my house. We did our chores, and the the, the blessing was we got to live. <laughs> so <laughs> we didn't necessarily get an allowance. We just got to exist on the planet. But I digress. So suppose that the allowance is the blessing. So the uh, child doesn't do the chores, right? and therefore doesn't receive the allowance and thus living under a curse rather than under the blessing. So the child, because this is how child minds think, childish minds, the childish mind says, you know what, the way to solve this problem is to get rid of the law that says I have to do a chore. Therefore, I always get the allowance. Problem solved, to quote uh, Inspector Clouseau. But that is not how an adult mind thinks. The adult mind says, no, the way to get out from underneath the curse is to obey the law of doing the chores, not to remove the law from you. And so we have to understand that very often in our theology, we just have a childish mind. We just say that the way that we want God to bless us is to remove from us responsibility. That's how a child thinks, but an adult says no, actually the way to better my life is to follow the rules and actually do something to that 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 God wants me to do uh, to me that's very very logical, but um, somehow we we get into a problem with that so um, using looking here at a couple more insights so um, it says here in the who much? just going back to verse 10. It says, a people to him, a God to you. So it says here, the purpose of all this effort in establishing the covenant was because God was the God of Israel, and he was eternally bound, inextricably bound to one another. So it says, since God had sworn to the patriarchs and the nation, that they would always remain his people. It says, uh, neither would have the luxury of seeking a new God or a new nation. So, this is important, because from a Jewish point of view, uh, Shimon, you're in Branson? Sorry, I just saw that post. Y'all have a good time, Shimon, and bring me back a t-shirt or something. Um, All right, it says, so creating a new covenant that involves a new people is heretical. And many people have, again, this is a part of of many people's theology. It's also arrogant, but anyway, that God would say, you know what? I'm done with the Jewish people. I'm going to create a new people and get get rid of the Jewish people, where the entire Bible testifies that God would never get rid of... Of his people. Remember when Hashem offered to Moses and he said, Moses, I am sick to death of these people. They have disobeyed me. They don't appreciate what's going on here. And so here's what I'm going to do I am going to destroy them. And Moses, I'm going to make from you, because remember, Moses is the Redeemer, right? He's very much a, a Mashiach of his time. And he's probably the, the prototype of the Mashiach and so anyway he says to Moses I'm going to make of you a new nation now what does Moses do Moses says oh no Hashem if you make a new nation out of me right then the nations of the world will say that you were not able to fulfill your promise so absolutely not in fact, not only should you not do this, but I would rather you destroy me, wipe my name out of your book, and save them. So Moses was willing to lay his life down so that the, the people of Israel would not be rejected, would not be lost, and God's promise would be fulfilled. Now, juxtapose that with the idea that Yeshua comes along, or let's just say Jesus, that Jesus comes along, and says, yep, God, you're angry with these people because they disobey you. In fact, they want to kill me. You know what you should do? You should destroy them, (laughs) kill them, forget about them, punish them, and make a new nation out of me. What? What? Moses, who's just a mere human, said, actually, I lay my life down for my sheep. Make them great and make me nothing. And then we, we teach that the Messiah comes along and says, actually, we need to punish them and make me something and I'll make a whole new people. Wow. If you put that in perspective, just how absolutely ridiculous that is. And what does it say about the Messiah? But it's not what happened. Yeshua, the actual Mashiach, came and said, Actually, I choose to die so that your covenant can be renewed with your people. That is the actual story. So, to verse 14, Um, this is also an important insight we didn't get to yesterday. It says, And it says in verse 14, where is verse, verse 14? He says, Well, let me back up to verse 13. It says, not with you alone do I seal this covenant and this imprecation, but with whoever is here standing with us today before Adonai, our God, and with whoever is not here with us today. So this is a very important verse in the Torah, because it teaches us that all souls, some say all Jewish souls... And others say all souls, but let's stick with the Jewish souls for a moment. That all Jewish souls were present at Mount Sinai so that all of us heard the covenant. All of us heard the voice of God. Now this includes the souls of the converts because converts are Jews too. So if you are listening to me today and you are either a convert to Labid Judaism you are going through conversion to become a Lepid Jew, or you are thinking about it, the reason that you're here, there, or coming is because your soul was present at Mount Sinai when God brought down his holy Torah upon that mountain. Isn't that phenomenal? Now, verse 15, we get into now our Torah portion. Back to... Uh, this concept of, of, of the warning against uh, idolatry. So in the art school, Humash, it says, the passage warns against an outstanding and sobering aspect of human behavior. Having lived in Egypt and, and, and having experienced the Exodus, having seen the futility of idolatry, and se- ha- having seen all the decadence and all the the worthlessness of those cults there still remains a temptation in people to experience with experiment rather with those philosophies it has, says here and lifestyles of those followers so it says so it still is people know right from wrong yet they des- devise rationalizations to legitimize the employment of evil and immorality. This is a very, as it said, a very sobering insight in that we still within us, no matter how far we've come, no matter where we find ourselves at this moment in history, we still have the potential to rationalize sin. And I've seen this before. I have seen people, for instance, who have been among us for years and then one day wake up, they've lost their mind somehow, some way they've lost their way. There's, you know, who knows what happens. And then, you know, they, they, they walk away and next thing you know, they're involved in yoga, transmittal and transcendental, whatever you say that meditation, uh, they're worshiping plants. Literally it's, it's, and you think, how is this even possible? Or they just they just become secular and stop keeping Torah altogether. And I can just tell you and, and, and I'm I am no I'm nothing. I'm Klum. I'm nothing, right? But I just can't imagine my life not being this. I just I can't imagine. And I've said before, if I ever, God forbid, left Yeshua or, God forbid, left this covenant, I feel confident that I I would walk across the street and get hit by a bus because I exist for this. And it boggles the mind. And yet, I have to look myself in the mirror. I'm talking about me here. I have to look myself in the mirror and say, You, sir, have within you the potential To fall to such depths. And you say, Well, Rabbi, what is it about you that has it? You know what it is? It's called being human, which is why we need Yeshua, which is why we need Teshuvah, which is why we need the Aliyah day. And that's not a shameless plug or promotion, it just means that we need to be constantly reminding ourselves about what is right and what is wrong. This is the import of such times as this. And it's why I encourage people to to do at least 30 minutes a day. It's not self-serving, you know, that's not the point. The point is that we need to be, we need to exercise our soul. Stella just said the flesh is weak. She's right. This is why we exercise, right? We need to exercise our soul. Interesting insight here. Rashi points out that it says that when it's talking about idols of silver and gold that are with them, points out the very common practice that the precious idols, the ones that were silver and gold, were ones that the people would hide, that they would keep hidden away because they were so valuable and they were concerned that people might steal them because of their great value. And so Rashi points out, or at least the the article, Humash, I should say, points out how ludicrous, it says here, that an all-powerful idol cannot defend itself against a common thief. How ludicrous is this? Why do we put uh, our faith in these ridiculous idols when um, they can't even even guard themselves about somebody who's trying to steal them? It doesn't make any sense. But this goes back to another very common uh, Jewish phenomenon. or I, I shouldn't say Jewish phenomenon. Excuse me. I meant to say human phenomenon. And that is that once, we, once our heart wants to believe something, all rationale goes out the, way, the wayside. This is why it's so dangerous to have the attitude of, well, God knows my heart. There was a song about this. What was the, the singer's name? Cook? When a man loves a woman. Right? Remember the song? When a man loves a woman. He basically loses his brain, right? And I don't mean that. <laughs> don't get me wrong, ladies. I'm not talking about, I don't mean that negatively, but it's a fun song about when a man loves a woman. I mean, he loses it, right? Because your heart takes over and you lose rational thinking. So it says here, um, again, going back to, to uh, Sam Cooke. Thank you, Stella. It says here, with all future generations. Now, another point I wanted to make about that statement about because all the, the Torah being shared with all souls, and the Kehotumash, Tumash, it says, was it Percy Sledge or Sam Cooke? I don't know. Now I don't know. It doesn't matter. I guess it does matter, but I don't know. So it says, with all future generations, says, the Torah transcends the limitations of time and space. Now, this is a very important concept as well. Just want to throw that little statement out there from the Kale Tumash, Because one of the theological ideas is that at a certain point in time, the Torah ceased to exist, ceased to be relevant. Cease to be part of the covenant, right? That's a theological idea. That, and that's very important that you listen to my wording. At a certain point in time, say time. At a certain point in time, say time again, that the Torah ceased to exist or ceased to be relevant. Now, the reason that that is uh, inconceivable is because time exists because of Torah. That time is a product of creation. Let me say that again. Time is a product of creation. You know, this is why they say that, uh, you know, the Torah is light, of course, we know that. And God is light, which is why the Torah and God are one, for one thing. But they say that if you could travel the speed of light, if you could actually advance to the speed of light, time stands still at that point. Because there's no time at the speed of light. So Torah created time, therefore time can never get rid of Torah. Because the creation cannot get rid of the creator, if you will. It's a very important insight, very important idea to have uh, relative to our thoughts today. Well, there is so much more to share. I have many more tabs. um, But we're going to hold off and continue discussing this particular aliyah and the fourth aliyah with God's help tomorrow so that's your cliffhanger uh, come back there's a lot more to share there's something out inside I want to share relative to Acts 20 or excuse me Acts 2 with the uh, the renewal of the Torah with the uh, Talmudim until then I want you to have a wonderful amazing and beautiful day please be sure and subscribe like the channel share it with your friends Hey, let's try to get to 1,000 subscribers uh, between now and the end of the week. Wouldn't that be fun that both channels, both Sarshalem Synagogue and the Lapid Judaism channel would both have 1,000 subscribers? Um, By the way, all of our subscribers are actual real people, so that's exciting. Um, So share it with your friends and put it on your Facebook pages and tweet it out and Instagram it and whatever you do, tweet it, whatever you got to do. Let's try to uh, encourage some people to find the light of the Messiah Uh, and all of that. So have a great day. Bless you. We'll see everybody tomorrow uh, with God's help.